The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, it is our Teen Talk panel, though we'll be a little short-staffed on this panel. It'll just be me and our student advocate, Emma Gauthier. Our two others are uh, out sick, unfortunately, last minute. That's coming up after 10.15. We'll address, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things. First, I want to ask you if you've seen the show, the new show on Netflix called Sex Education. I'll tell you my take on it, and I'm actually really enjoying it. Uh, we'll talk about the UN declaring sex education as a human right. Uh, We'll talk about dress codes, power dynamics in the classroom, and any other issue that you want to bring up that has to do with teen uh, sexuality. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. Remember, you can always email me your questions uh, during the week, anytime, at uh, laurie at drlaurie.com. So before I start answering some of these questions, I want to tell you about a workshop uh, that I'll be participating in or giving part of that workshop in Toronto this weekend. And if you are interested, I know it's a bit last minute to make this uh, these plans. However, uh, this is for individuals and couples in recovery from sex addiction and betrayal trauma. So infidelity and such. And um, it's a whole day uh, workshop. Uh, Sandra Lacks, who is, uh, you hear her here on, on our Addictions Night, uh, will be giving that the workshop, most of it. I'll be giving a couple of hours of that workshop. It's uh, open to uh, new couples, to existing couples, to individuals who want to create a passionate, authentic, and realistic vision of their sexuality in recovery. Uh, so this, if you are interested, go to, um, you can email, uh, Sandra at mytherapistsandra at gmail.com, mytherapistsandra at gmail.com to get more information about location and price and, and all of that. So that's taking place on Sunday. It's a full day on Sunday. So if you're going to be in the Toronto area and, uh, you're dealing with these kinds of things, uh, especially betrayal trauma, which I know I see a lot of uh, clients who unfortunately go through that, uh, then this might be a really nice opportunity to uh, to connect with other people, other couples, and learn some uh, uh, some skills. All right, let me get to some questions that I see on the text board here that I missed uh, from yesterday. Why are there male OBGYNs but no female men's health doctors? So you're right, there's uh, quite a few uh, gynecologists that are male. There are some, maybe not so many urologists, but urologists uh, do more than uh, than men. I mean, they do the insides also, the uh, urinary tract and uh, the bladder and all. Like they they work uh, for men and and for women. But there are far more now uh, than ever before female GPs, so family doctors that are female who do wellness exams for men, uh, where they do check their genitals and they do uh, all of that. So um, you do have women also doing those uh, examinations, including prostate exams, etc. But usually you find them in the uh, general practice, and, and they have men and women as their, uh, as their patients. 
Another question, isn't it the longer you take to have sex, the higher the semen volume? So this was a, something we addressed last week uh, in terms of the volume of semen, and it, it's really related to a couple things. First is um, if you ejaculate frequently, so let's say you've ejaculated twice in a day and then you go and you uh, have sex the, the third time or masturbate the third time, you may see that your volume is less. Uh, of semen. So that's one thing. But the other thing is also hydration. Uh, how hydrated are you? Are you drinking enough fluids, liquids? That will also affect the volume of, uh, of the semen. So I hope that answers those questions. Here's one I got by email. Uh, most of the time during intercourse for myself, even with clitoral stimulation, nothing comes out of my body. Although I get somewhat tired and dry, after a few hours, nothing happens. Is this tired, full feeling my orgasm? And although I do go to the bathroom before I, before, I still have to urinate during sex, though it was not yellow, as most uh, times mine is clear. Uh, in the past 12 years of my sexual life, I've had maybe 10 orgasms that I saw or heard. Is there any way to help or recognize when it happens? Uh, so the question I have is, what are you expecting to come out of your body? Uh, to me, it sounds like you might be talking about female ejaculation. You want to see something come out or feel something come out, uh, which some women do experience. And sounds from what you're telling me that may actually have happened to you just from your uh, description, actually. Uh, so women who uh, ejaculate will experience first usually a sense of needing to urinate, even if they've just emptied their bladder. So they, you know it's not urine because you just emptied your bladder. So what comes out is, in fact, clear, but may contain a little bit of urine if it's still present in the, uh, in the uh, urethra and, and whatever little bit is left. So there may still have a traces uh, of urine, but generally it is clear and uh, odorless. So if you, in fact, have experienced this type of release, then it is most likely that you have had an orgasm because it's associated with, um, I mean, that's uh, an orgasm is that sense of release. And when you, uh, when women ejaculate or feel like they have urinated because it comes out of the same place, that is the release that is, uh, that is felt. And it's, it, it's part of the orgasmic, uh, experience. Now you talk about the, the dryness. So, uh, when women are aroused, they lubricate, but they may not necessarily notice uh, it's moisture inside the vagina, which they may not notice. You're asking about seeing and hearing. Uh, so, and after extensive stimulation, which is may be followed by an orgasm, a woman may start to feel dry again. So certainly spending hours of stimulation, you may end up feeling dry rather than uh, anything happening after that. So, um, I, I don't know what you're expecting. And this is where, uh, I ask often women who come to see me about who have, you know, say they have issues with orgasm. I ask first what their expectations are. Um, because sometimes women expect some kind of explosion, something so obvious that they may not recognize that they may have climaxed because they are expecting something else. So whatever happens to them, they don't recognize it as such because it isn't what they thought it would be. So 
really the feeling is one of a buildup uh, leading to some muscle tension and then some feeling of muscle uh, relaxation. But not all orgasms feel the same. Some may be stronger, some may be less strong. Women have described it uh, like a sneeze, like just simply like that, all the way to feeling uh, rather explosive. But this varies from woman to woman. It varies from encounter to encounter. So the bottom line is you may not always see it or hear it. Uh, some people stay very quiet even when they have an orgasm. So I'm wondering if you're thinking of your own vocalizations uh, along that way as well. Hope that answers the question. I know it's a bit of an elaborate answer, but I want to make sure you have all that info. Uh, so coming up, Emma Gauthier will join me. She's a student advocate. We're going to focus on uh, we're going to focus on teen sexuality. A couple of things uh, she's experienced in the classroom that I want to share that uh, has made her uncomfortable. We'll talk about that and the UN uh, declaration that sex education is a human right, and this has something to do with the Ontario repeal of the uh, of sex education. What they did, uh, I don't know, in the summertime, I think. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And if we have time, we'll talk about dress codes and whatever else uh, comes up. And, and if you have any thoughts or uh, issues or questions that you or concerns that you want to talk about when it comes to teen sexuality, we'd love to hear from you at 514-800. You can text in. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Tonight we focus on teen sexuality. Once a month, we uh, this is what we focus on because there are always issues uh, related to uh, teens and education and all kinds of stuff that parents have concerns about. In studio with me is Emma Gauthier. She is a teen advocate, and she's been a regular here on Passion for uh, a while. Unfortunately, our two other, our sex educator and our teacher, are both out sick. So this is the season for sick. So what are we going to do? It's just me. And you, Emma. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. You ready to do most of the talking? Definitely. <laughs> I know you always have stuff to say, so that's all good. Uh, so this latest news, I want—I just wanted to share a couple things that made the news uh, since the last time we had Teen Talk. Uh, the United Nations is calling on Canada to uphold young people's right to quality sex ed in Ontario. Uh, so th there was a plea made by Action Canada, which basically is the umbrella organization for all the Planned Parenthoods um, of Canada, uh, and they submitted an urgent appeal to the UN Special Procedures to draw attention to the human rights violation occurring as a result. Uh, so I, the question really is to you and to everybody is, um, do you consider sex education for all uh, do you consider it a human right? And I want to share with you some of the uh, the communication, the official communication that was endorsed by uh, the UN, which I think is really important, which demands uh, is demanding that Canada take immediate steps to ensure compliance with human rights obligation. The message to Canada is clear. Federal and provincial governments have an obligation to ensure all young people are provided with sexuality education and failure to ensure access to sexuality education is a violation 
of uh, human rights. The communication from the UN Special Procedures demands that Canada explain and account for the serious breach of human rights that occurred when the government of Ontario chose to regress to the 1998 sex ed curriculum, which excludes lessons on LGBTQ plus identities and sexualities, consent, media literacy, gender equality, inclusivity of persons with disabilities, and take interim measures to prevent the reoccurrence of human rights violations. The government of Canada must now take two immediate actions. One, ensure that all individuals and groups have access to comprehensive, non-discriminatory, evidence-based, scientifically accurate, and age-appropriate information on all aspects of sexual and reproductive health, including gender equality, sexual and gender-based violence, and the issue of consent. And two, ensure all jurisdictions comply with international human rights Obligations. I'm not sure what will happen, but uh, I'm I'm actually very happy that this is being taken rather seriously. What are you thinking, Emma? I think it's kind of amazing this is happening right now because, like, when I was still in high school, I used to be pretty big on this kind of thing. Like, we should have better sex ed. We should be focusing more on things that are inclusive for all because we shouldn't just be focusing on heteronormativity or just the older ways that we've our parents have grown used to. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, and that this is now being considered a human right is something that I find is incredibly crucial to this because to deny sex, sex as, as itself, uh, as a whole sexual education is basically denying a part of being human. That's a really good point. A, a big part of being human. Exactly. And to deny that, to separate it and say, oh, okay, we're going to focus on one aspect of it rather than the whole is just denying that there's a whole subsection of being human that people just don't know enough about. And you're just denying a part of who we are. I yeah. just, I don't think it's okay to stop things that need to be said. So do you think, uh, as our listeners are, do you agree that this is, uh, that Ontario's removal or regression back to the 1998 curriculum, which didn't include, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not in there, that our youth now need more than ever, m- far more than we needed. Like, we we didn't have all these other things going on at the time. Um, do you agree that it is should is seen as a violation of human rights. I am in total, I support that the, the action Canada's, uh, uh, certainly their, their brief. And then I'm just really happy that the UN has taken this, uh, seriously. And, and it would be nice to see it truly worldwide because it, it, it really is. And that means there's a lot of countries, including many parts of the U S that are violating this human right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly, I'm kind of shocked that they even tried to repeal it to begin with. Because, like, I understand that a lot of people now, especially older generations, are looking at the world today and the new, like, the new inclusion of all these different things, like being transsexual or just having all these other different transgender issues, just being, there's a whole, like, Tumblr list of different genders and Mm -hmm. sexualities that, like, no one's even heard of. And I find that it's not, like, this isn't something new. This didn't just happen now. It's not something in the water or something on the TV it's always been there, but now we're finding names for it. Now we're focusing right. on those little details. And that's something that we should be studying more of. It shouldn't be left unknown. Right. And to, like, just take that out, to say, oh, no, we're not going to teach our kids this. Oh, no, we, we'll let them figure that out themselves. That is the worst thing you can do. I think part of it was in reaction to parents who get nervous uh, 
right about yeah. uh, what their kids may be learning. Like this texter, and I want, I would, I wish you could write a little more, but says I agree with Ontario, one hundred percent. Same thing should be done in Quebec. What go back to nineteen ninety eight? Go back to when, to the days of the, like, you know, internet stuff and access to porn and like all of that. Go, go backwards. Why? I want to know what your reasoning is. Like, if you agree with Ontario, tell me why you agree. Make your argument. I want to hear your argument. We're talking about science based fact. Like, we're giving kids factual information, age appropriate information, by the way. That has been researched, studied. There are experts who develop these programs. They're not just willy-nilly, we're going to just tell, you know, tell kids, show them porn. Hey, this is it. No, this is not what it's about. We're not teaching kids how to have sex. We're teaching kids about sexual health and, and wellness, which is an important part of their of their lives. Whether we as parents of these teenagers want to see it or not, it's happening it's happening. These are concerns of young people. Whether they choose to have sex or don't choose to have sex, they still have questions about it. They're still sexual beings. And I, I want to know how, like how you, how you see that amongst your group. Like, would you agree with that? That, I mean, you, what do you see as a teenager? What I see as a teenager, just among different friends, I have friends in like whole different groups. I have extroverts, introverts, gay, straight, I have mm -hmm. the, the whole group basically with me all at once. And no matter who it is, no matter what kind of personality, there's always that curiosity, whether they don't care about sex or they're all for it and they're having it regularly. Everyone has that kind of curiosity, the, I don't understand this, but why is this normal? Or is this normal? Is this what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to look like? Is this what it's supposed to smell like? Is this what I'm supposed to be like? And that's something that parents like don't always feel comfortable approaching, or they think it's something that maybe they should snuff out, or it's something that'll work itself out by itself, but it won't work itself out if there's no information that's being given. I think it's um, reacting out of fear. To yeah. me, to say, "Oh no, let's go, let's go backwards." Like this is fear-based. This is not knowing or being afraid, uh, because the thought is, if we give, if we give information, that means that somehow we are encouraging behavior. But if you look at the research, the research shows quite the opposite. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole kind of idea, like looking at the past through like rose-tinted glasses. Basically, you're thinking like, "Oh, well, 1998." must have been better, right? No, it wasn't. I wasn't even born then, but I'm 100% sure that things don't just get better or worse immediately. There's always going to be something about that period that was bad. There's always going to be something about it that was something maybe you would want to ignore or just forget about. But that doesn't mean that today is worse than 1998. And that doesn't mean that 1998's values should be upheld today. Well, we have to be up with the times exactly. and what what is what people are exposed to. So, what we were exposed to when we were younger is different than what you're exposed to. And we, if we don't address that, and we stay back in the days of before all of this stuff, then we're not keeping up with the concerns of kids. We're not keeping up with with all of that. And I was I uh, wanted to talk about this show that I started watching. The show is called Sex Education. It's a British show. It stars uh, Gillian Anderson. I think it's great. Um, and it really highlights kids' concerns, like teenagers. This I, I believe these are, uh, I think, a little older teenagers in the last two years of high school. And it really, uh, it's a show about uh, 
a boy, an, a very awkward boy who's a virgin. He's non-sexual, but his mother is a sex therapist. And he somehow ends up being the one who helps out his fellow students. So his they come to him because he has a wealth of knowledge that he gets the knowledge from his mother, right? The, the In his home, sex was talked openly. His mother had all the books. And so if he didn't know, he would he would know where to research, but he had an ease about talking about sex. So all of these other students were coming to him with concerns and asking for his advice. And he actually, the, the, the premise is he kind of makes money off it. He's like the quote unquote sex therapist, teen sex therapist, <laughs> which I see you as playing that role a little bit, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> where all your friends are coming to you and say, oh, I have the information because like I do the research, I do the reading. And with the ease that you have of talking about sexuality, it will make you more likely for people to come see you. So I'm curious if anybody else has seen the show, Sex Education, uh, just came out on Netflix uh, maybe last week or so. I want to hear your thoughts on that, and I'll give you more of my thoughts on that. But first, uh, we'll check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Teen Talk tonight, Emma Gauthier, our student advocate, is in studio with me tonight talking about uh, all things to do with uh, with teen sexuality and teen sex education. We were talking earlier about uh, the U.N., uh, saying that um, sex education is a human right and that Ontario is in violation of that human right, which I found interesting that one texter said they agreed with Ontario and that we should follow suit in Quebec. I don't get it. I don't know why. I'd love to know the explanation for that. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And another text writes, Doug Ford and that other guy down south have their view of consentment since they were elected by people what does that say about men and what does that say about the women who voted for them? It says something about our, our society, I guess, in terms of the fears that are there. And also to me, the lack of, a, a lot of this is, is lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge breeds fear of the unknown and breeds fear of all that. One thing that I find people don't always understand when it comes to like um, things involving uh, sexual assault or just gender imbalances in a way is that it's not just men that are the cause of it or men who put these things in place. Women are also perpetrators Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Women can lay down the law at home like, oh no, you can't go out wearing that. Oh no, you can't do this. You can't do that. And some women even flip it around and want to see men in the same humiliating positions women can be put in. And that's like, that's just as bad. We shouldn't have that inequality on either end. Absolutely. And it's not, it, and it's not to say that men are not victims no, as well. They, exactly. they can be. Uh, we just see there are more female victims of this and, and more women. We see that, especially in, in, with teenagers, we see probably more of that. But then we see also mothers of, parents of boys have to talked to me about like how aggressive you know, girls are too. So oh, yeah. it's like goes on, goes on uh, in both ways. So as women are becoming more empowered in their own sexuality, well, there's that equality is also with the aggression. You're going to see more of that uh, taking place. Uh, so I just want to share again, if you haven't seen the series on Netflix called Sex Education, 
you should have a look. And it is starring Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson stars as a, a sex therapist uh, slash mom of a teenage boy. And uh, he goes on to start helping his uh, the, the other students at his school with their sex problems simply because he has the knowledge, because he hears it from his mom and he has all, access to all the materials, and uh, because he can talk about it uh, with ease, yet he's a virgin. He doesn't have all the experience or any of that, but he has the knowledge and the capacity to hear and to talk. And it's so interesting to me because it shows... Okay, it's fantasy and it's a show, but it does show some of the, uh, what the kids are going through. So we're talking about 17 year olds mostly in, in this, uh, in this high school who are, many are sexual, some are not, but some of the issues that they deal with, like lesbian relationships or discovering your sexuality, performance anxiety, issues about size, body image issues in, in men and women, um, virginity issues, like all kinds of stuff. And you see their concerns, which many of these concerns aren't really addressed in sex education classes, all these things that kids want to know, like, am I normal? Is this normal? Why is this happening? Why, why am I having difficulty, uh, with orgasm men and women and uh, like performance anxiety? What is that all about? These are not some of the things that are generally addressed that teens are concerned about. So it's, it's really, um, I mean, it's a fun show. Of course, for me, it was fun because uh, my kids started, uh, you know, when they saw the synopsis, they were like, oh my God, mom, this is my life. You know, this is like, that was me. You're the sex therapist, mom. Uh, somewhat, but not exactly after looking at it, but it, it, it's funny. It's, uh, it's actually very good. So switching gears, I want to talk about, um, dress codes. I know this has come up many times, but this was a, a teen who, um, wrote about this. So the 16 year old girl by the name of, uh, Kate Wilson from uh, a high school in Pennsylvania, she says, uh, one Monday she was late for late. She threw on comfortable clothes. Uh, she uh, chose basically a baggy long sleeve shirt and some leggings, a regular outfit for her. She didn't really understand. Anyhow, she was pulled from her class, sent to the vice principal of the school after a male teacher said that when she walked up the stairs, it was quote distracting to him. Uh, it was distracting him. So this, this was why she was pulled out of class and, uh, told that she violated some dress code because it was distracting to the male teacher who was walking behind her. So she went on social media and I want to read you what she wrote. You can uh, respond to it as well. Enough is enough. I wrote this from the nurse's office of my school. I was reprimanded for a so-called violation of the dress code, but I truly believe the only thing that has been violated is my right as a student to learn. Today I wore leggings to school. It was cold. I woke up late, so I threw on comfortable outfit to get me through Monday. Leggings and a baggy long sleeve shirt. Not something I would call the epitome of promiscuity. Yet I was called down to the office and told to change my pants. But seeing as many of my female friends agree with me on this, I decided to defend myself and all other girls who have been in my position. 
I was told that my pants were making teachers uncomfortable as I walked through the halls. The VP made a point of how distracting it was when I walked up the stairs. This makes me sick. I'll admit I was dumbfounded. How could a grown man so confidently say that I was the problem in that situation? The 16-year-old girl, the student, was making grown human beings uncomfortable by existing. If that is the kind of teaching staff you have here in this school district, it is unacceptable. I will not allow another little girl to stand in that office being told she needs to change to assure that grown men who are constantly surrounded by young girls won't be turned on by her walking up the stairs. This is a common fault in our society, and it is disgusting. By telling the victim of a potential assault that she is the problem, you are perpetuating the notion that the female body is a thing for men to use, and therefore you are perpetuating rape culture. Today I was told that the discomfort of a middle-aged man who seemingly can't keep his eyes off of a 16-year-old's rear end takes precedence over my education. I was called disrespectful for defending myself. The only disrespect that occurred in that office was the blatant disrespect of my rights over my body, my education, and my rights as a human being. Please let me know if you believe this outfit makes you uncomfortable or if you find it distracting. So this was a Facebook post, and she, um, there were other people who were saying, you know, it was out of context and uh, et cetera. So she went on to, because they were saying, well, you've got to follow the rules of the school. Like it's a dress code. That's the rules of the school. So she, uh, she re- gave a rebuttal saying, I think some of you are taking my anger out of context. A lot of people are just saying, follow the rules or, you know, the, con- you knew the consequences. I did understand the consequences. My issue is with the way it was handled and the language that was used. And the fact that my school is seemingly protecting middle-aged men who can't keep their eyes off my legs rather than myself. I've gone to the same school district my whole life. When I was younger, we were allowed to wear leggings with shirts that covered our rear ends. I assumed the rule carried into high school, and so I inquired why I was in trouble when I was told to change. That's when I was met with the teachers are uncomfortable narrative. This is from a 15-year-old, by the way. If I had been told... The rule is different. We're trying to maintain professionalism. I would have been less likely to protest, but instead I was told to protect myself from the wandering eyes of people who are constantly surrounded by young girls. That's where my issue lies. I'm not throwing a hissy fit about not getting to wear leggings to school, even though I believe that rule is ridiculous. I'm standing for all the girls who have been in my position or could be in my position in the future. I'm protecting the right to be female and learn. I'm protesting the institutionalized sexism that was on display and runs rampant throughout society. I'm doing this for larger reason, reasons that's just uh, I want to wear leggings. Please stop reducing my argument to that one point to further your own. That was very powerful. Um, very powerful, as one person said, very poignant and mature reply. And it was. And this was from uh, a 16, excuse me, 16 year old girl uh, from a high school in, uh, in Pennsylvania. So I don't know what your thoughts on that when you read that or when you heard that. Um, when I read it, I was thinking like, wow, first of all, it's really well written for someone who's only 16. Like her points are very, very on point. Pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I noticed also was not just how it made her feel uncomfortable to be in that position, but she also pointed out the inconvenience of it. It's not just discomfort, it's inconvenience that women and young girls feel they can't wear leggings. I mean, I didn't wear leggings until my last year of high school because I felt it was inappropriate. I don't, I, it wasn't part of the dress code. I knew I wouldn't be violating it if I didn't do it, but I was convinced somehow that I could not wear leggings because they were too tight. They would show off too much and they might be too revealing. 
Even though they do the same thing that jeans do. They cover everything that needs to be covered. Yeah, look at look at the jeans that people wear exactly. today. Exactly. And they're more comfortable than jeans. Mm-hmm. Like leggings are the go-to if you want something comfortable, you want something quick to throw on with a nice comfy sweater. There was nothing revealing about her outfit, but it was still considered inappropriate because someone decided to stare at her butt. Right. <laughs> and somehow the fingers are pointed at the 16-year-old who was just wearing an outfit, not at the grown man who was staring at her. Right. And if you look at any, I don't know, I, I was, uh, you know, I volunteered in the high schools when my kids were in school, and I used to look around. I don't, every single girl wore leggings. Yeah, it's not that, that was, uncommon. That, it's been, that's been the fashion for uh, ages that, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot we've got our traffic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm getting all caught up in here. Kira Yeager, I am so sorry. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between, Passion with Dr. Lori, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Teen Talk tonight on the program. Uh, we've moved on from uh, sex education and the uh, UN and the human rights and all of that to a teen being punished uh, for wearing leggings because a professor found it distracted him and that was the the whole premise of uh, anyway she did a she wrote a beautiful post very mature for a 16 year old so we're talking about leggings and dress codes. And uh, Texter writes, as long as the leggings are not so tight that it shows camel toe. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Although jeans can do that too. Yeah. Um, which is definitely not appropriate for school. Some of the girls who wear the tightest pants, you see them in the gym and they wear skin tight, tight yoga pants and leggings to lift and shape their buttocks. Um, I remember the first time I slapped on Lululemon yoga pants and the results were amazing. And they're super comfortable. That's the reality. Uh, I remember when sleeveless tops were outlawed in high school. I don't get how arms are that sexual. It was always the male staff that had a problem with that. Short skirts and low tops. I always thought, why do they look there? That goes back to is it's the making it's the it's the males that are uncomfortable yeah. with it and therefore the women have to adapt to and not trigger not not turn them on right that's the underlying yeah. message don't turn anybody on it always kind of makes me wonder like are they that worried that they can't control themselves and their bodies like oh no i might see an arm or a shoulder like i might pop a boner i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> i don't get it it doesn't make sense like i i have faith in most of humanity so i'm assuming that guys are for the most part, able to get their sexual urges in check. It's not that big an issue. Right. I've talked to guy friends, and they're like, yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, yeah. it's natural to be aroused every now and then, but, like, you should be to able make to... You should be able to keep yeah. that in check. It right. shouldn't be something that the... literally disturbs your entire day. Oh, no, there's a girl wearing leggings. Right, or or the skirt is an inch, uh, you know, above yeah, the inch... knees. <laughs> Do they, like, measure it in their head? Yes, like, I haven't... exactly I ha... it. <laughs> yes, there was a, a, a situation, which I'll talk about in a moment if we have time, but a situation exactly that. It was it was a bit shaming for the uh, the girls as well. This text writes: I grew up in the '90s and leggings were not in until recently. It seems I've seen, yeah, certainly the last ten years for sure. Leggings have been a big thing. Uh, before that, it was leggings and leg warmers, which was so '80s retro. <laughs> You're bringing me back. Um, at my time, it was baggy and holy jeans were starting to be fashionable along with Adidas track pants, more comfort clothes. I agree that leggings are more comfortable than jeans, especially since I had a tailbone surgery. I'm glad leggings and yoga pants are in style because I live in them. Even I, as a, a professional, wear leggings. I, of course, I don't, you know, wear leggings and crop tops, except, yeah. if, except if I'm at the gym, which is a different story, but, uh, for everyday wear. 
there was a story a while back about a teen girl who was punished for for refusing to wear shoes at school. So who's at fault here? The school for enforcing the dress code? No. I think that wearing shoes is a safety it's a safety measure. There's a bit of a that's exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, to me. I mean, I can understand it though. To be honest, sometimes I really wish I didn't have to wear shoes. That's more like a personal choice. That's not something against the school. Like the school has every right to be like, okay, yeah, that's a that's an actual. That's hazard. a safety thing. Yeah, you, it's you a step hazard. on a you step on a thumbtack. Like if there's no. a fire drill. Right. You have to get out. You have to walk somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So this texture writes uh, with a smiley face at the end. Dress codes mean you won't have distractions from a male teacher wearing leather pants during official functions. Reference third rock from the sun. <laughs> uh, here, uh, texture writes, um, I'm very glad things are turning around in positive respects for women. As back in the 80s when I attended high school, I experienced a similar situation and was suspended for refusing to change what were essentially normal clothes yet perceived provocatively by my male teachers and my parents sided with them rather than defending me, as things were very different with regards to female rights back then. Yet, ironically, I later learned I had won an award for best dressed at my graduation <laughs> ceremony, which I refused to attend. And then another one, I went to a school where they took a ruler to measure our kilts. If our kilts were long enough, less than an inch from the knee, it was degrading. So the, the, having to measure that. One thing I think a lot of people don't understand, or at least teachers, especially in these situations, they may think that they're in the right or they're pointing out something that is just universally acknowledged. Like, oh, your skirt's too short. Oh, this is making me uncomfortable. But they don't understand the position they put the girls in. There is a power imbalance there. Any teacher with a student, no matter how good their intentions are, if they point out something about the person's body or they touch them in a way that makes the person feel uncomfortable... That is going to affect the kid. It doesn't matter what the issue is, if it's leggings or just having problem with homework and having that teacher touch her back. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, there's a power imbalance that will automatically make the girl or guy feel like they don't have any power, that they have to agree or there might be consequences. And that's not fair. Well, we have, there are certain rules to be followed. The exactly. power imbalance is when something is done to you that you feel that makes you uncomfortable, that you feel you cannot say anything for, yeah. right? That isn't actually f- fair or part of the rules. Like a, a, you were telling me a story off air about a professor uh, touching you, like not, not touching no, you just, sexually, yeah, just my but, shoulder, but... but getting a little close, like close, physically invading your space a little bit. Yeah. And that... An- just the fact that you were uncomfortable with that is enough to say, hey, whoa, like this is, Exactly. You know. Teachers have to understand that their words do have an effect, especially if it's something about a uniform or a person in their appearance. Yes, I can understand wanting to enforce dress code. There yeah. have to be rules. Yeah. But if the, those rules are archaic and they don't fit the mold of current day society, everyone's wearing leggings. Yeah. It's not an issue anymore. And last, just last text, the problem is that the laws are so strict and biased that if a male teacher were to just look at a girl student the wrong way, his life could be destroyed. So I say no provocative clothing whatsoever in school. But again, the real, yeah. it's on the girl. It, that you're just putting you know. all of it on the 16 or 14 yeah. or 12-year-old girl exactly. when there's a 45-year-old man in charge. 
Unfortunately, we've come to the end of uh, this topic, although, wow, uh, still generating text here, so uh, a hot a hot button issue that may come up in our next uh, Teen Talk. Emma Gauthier, thank you so much for joining no us problem. tonight. Good luck with your studies this semester. Uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in and spending your precious time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.